Hey. <laughs> uh, you know this story, but I thought that this morning uh, would be a good time to share it. It's kind of been on my heart lately to share my testimony. And uh, honestly, with the next chapter in Genesis being one that hits a little too close to home right now with things that have happened this week, um, I think the Lord would use this this morning. Uh, I want to start off by reading Philippians 3, 7 through 14. And the scripture says, But what things were gained to me, these I have counted lost for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish. Who can say that, that they've suffered the loss of everything? This is Paul. That I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on, that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And like Paul says that he presses towards the goal, the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Uh, as I share the story of God in my life, Perhaps I would call this title, if you had to title it, The Upward Call. Because in reality, that's what it all is. A lot of times we separate the works that God does in our lives. And we don't realize that it's all one. It's all one call back to him, to be home with him. I think in Christendom, we use the word uh, testimony to describe the telling of how we came to Christ. Um, it's a big word. It's a word that, you know, you don't really hear too often in day-to-day -day conversation. Uh, but when I first tried to tell my testimony early on, sometimes I found it difficult, at least in circles of believers, to match this term because it seemed like it had to be so textbook. It seemed like it had to fit in a mold of someone else's testimony or the way someone else tells it. Um, not that my testimony wasn't valid, uh, but I didn't necessarily know the best way to convey it in those terms. Um, if somehow I had to be shoehorned, um, uh, perhaps I didn't feel the freedom uh, to share it um, as if I had to seek approval of anyone else of what the things, uh, the things that God has done in my life. Uh, and I'd share the same things I do today as I would then, but I think I see them in a different light. I think I'm able to share them with a different confidence because it's not my job to convince of the factuality of these things because they are the truth because the Bible is the truth and it's your choice to believe it or not I've simply believed them and God has simply shown himself true uh, in my life and I can rest in that I don't need to force the story I can just tell it as it is as I remember as it happened but if you're listening to this do you have a testimony and, you know, that fancy word that we talked about as a formal written or spoken statement, especially one given in the court of law, evidence, a sworn statement, an affidavit. You know, if you had to go to court, could you give a testimony of what happened uh, if you're a witness or a victim or even if you're accused? It's evidence or proof provided by the existence or the appearance of something. I think of those who think they have seen People from other worlds have been taken up in spaceships and they swear up and down that it happened. But who knows if it did or not. It's also a public recounting of a religious conversion or experience. And I think that that's what we know it as. But again, when you hear the word testimony, I think all of a sudden you stiffen up and you have to have a pre-formulated idea of what you're going to share. And I've taken notes and uh, tried to recount things, but even just in the car ride from home to here and in worship, just so many more things flood in my mind of what the Lord has done or different things, uh, different stories or different things. And I just think about in the Gospel of John where he says, 
no book could contain all the things that God has done. And, and no, certainly 45-minute message, if you're lucky, <laughs> is going to contain everything that God has done in my life. And the stories I share, I'll probably go, well, I hope I share the right ones. And I pray I do. But last night, Mia, our almost six-year-old, I can't say that, five and nine-tenths daughter, was reading John chapter 9 in her room when I came back in to tuck her in um, about the man who was born blind. And Jesus healed him, and he goes to the temple, and the Pharisees are accusing him and wondering what's going on. They accuse his parents, and his parents are like, whoa, 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 don't get us involved. Ask him. You know, we don't want to be kicked out of the temple. And he says, one thing I know, that though I was born blind, now I see. This man who was unlearned, uneducated, was basically a beggar and blind his whole life, knew more about God than these men who claimed to be sinless from birth. Because they, they said, you were born in sin and you teach us. And yes, those of us who are born in sin can teach others a thing or two when God has done something because it's not us who's done it. It's God who's done it. And perhaps we're in a place where we can see it and those who have puffed themselves up with uh, their own opinions can't see it. But another thing that tends to happen, especially early on when we share our faith, is that we end up getting bogged down in the worst things that happen. And that's understandable. That's all you knew, and all of a sudden, you know God? What else are you going to talk about? And I think sometimes there's a, a, a good reason to do those things. Uh, but I think sometimes, if you've heard some testimonies, uh, there's a glorifying of how good they were at sinning. And there's almost a, a happy memory there under the surface. Um, and that happens. We all, you know say things or, or do things or convey things perhaps not as we truly mean them or perhaps they haven't totally been flushed from our lives but i pray that whatever shared today would bring glory to god and not to those things another thing before i get into the details here i think and i've seen that some christians also think their story isn't as good as someone else's oh they have an excellent testimony but not me i said this to a friend i said are you kidding me you were dead and now you're alive. You were like this and now you're like this. You didn't see God and now you see him everywhere. Like that's powerful. And just because your sin isn't the same as someone else's doesn't mean that your story is less than theirs. Again, we're exalting sin where it shouldn't be exalted. And how do you know that I think more often than not that your testimony, if you think it's not any good, is probably more powerful to a lot of people than my testimony who uh, is full of sin and other things. Someone might not be able to relate to my testimony, but you know what? They might relate to yours, which you think is boring or uneventful. They might say, wow, I didn't see my need for God until I heard how you saw yours and, and we're very similar. You know, we want our testimonies to hold up in court if we had to be, if you had to go to court. It's been said, if you went to court, could they convict you for being a Christian? Is there any evidence of that in your life? And I pray that there is, and I pray that our testimonies will. But when we go to court, you know, yeah, you want a lawyer, but sincerely, you just want to tell the truth as simply and as clearly as possible that it might be understood, that your point uh, might be made known. And God, this morning we pray that your point would be made known, that the things you've done in my life and in others and uh, those who are listening, God, uh, that they would hear you and hear your voice and see you in all of this and, and see how you can work and continue to work in their lives as well. Because, Lord, I know you see me as special, but compared to anyone else, I'm not special. God, you see us all the same. Uh, you love us, and God, you care for us, and you want us to be covered in the blood of Jesus, that we might not face the judgment of our sin, the penalty for the wrongs we've done, because you took it already. So God, would you use what you've done in my life to reach others in your name, Jesus, that they might know you and exalt you. Uh, in your name, Lord, we pray. Amen. I guess I'll start early in life. I wasn't going to earlier, but it, the thought reminded me of, you know, uh, the, the scripture says that God has a plan for us before even the foundations of the world. It says that he formed us in our mother's womb. David says that uh, he knew my inward parts. He put my bones together. And yes, God has formed each of us uh, in the womb. And he's had a plan for us before he even created the world. 
And so if that's true, well then, it must be true in my life as well. So if I look back at the stories I remember from being a kid, the first one I remember is the story of me being born, how uh, my mom uh, went into labor, uh, and she went into labor early, about a month early, and I was facing the wrong direction, and I would have died unless they operated and, and took me out and uh, put me under the, the lights to get rid of the, you know, so that I'd be warm and that uh, my liver would start up. But God saved me even then. He was watching over me even then. And that's not to say that if you've sadly lost a little one, that he hasn't uh, looked over them and cared for them, um, or that it doesn't grieve him or those things. These are just, you know, I don't want to go off on a rabbit trail, but these are the, the effects of sin in the world. You know, we uh, were watching nature shows last night, and we saw all these animals fighting and stuff, and thought just occurred to me that all these animals getting kicked out of the garden, and now what do they do? They're scrounging for food and fighting each other. And th this is just a world that's broken. And one day when he comes back, there won't be any more deaths. There won't be any more pain or crying. But God had a purpose for some reason to allow me to live. And if he didn't allow me to live, he would have had a purpose in that as well. And allowed there be a purpose, even in a, in a purposeless situation. I think might be a better way of putting it. But he was watching over me even then. You know, early life, I you know had a good family. We lived in Florida for a while, and I hope to never move back there. It's so hot and humid. Uh, we lived in New Jersey, and that was a nice place, but I don't want to live in the Garden State ever again. But it was a good growing up. I grew up in a Christian school. I went to a Christian school from preschool through kindergarten through eighth grade. Um, uh, we went to different churches. Uh, my family wasn't necessarily faithful in one church or another. We bounced around a lot, but I was in Sunday school. I'd gone to vacation Bible school. I had seen all the felt board with Abraham and uh, all the stories on it. Uh, I remember playing a lot of Legos as a kid, and I would pray that God would help me find the right piece to put in in my set. Uh, you know, I had that childhood relationship with God where, um, you know, we'd read the Bible or my parents would pray for me if I was sick. Um, uh, you know, I, I knew the stories. Uh, there was one time I was riding my bike when I was little, and again, you might say that this is, you know, a silly story, and it is, but to me, it's, it's not. You know, I remember going off a jump and flipping over and landing on the street, and the bike hit me in the back, and my parents were sitting there watching me ride my bike, and they saw it happen, and they said it just, like, bounced right off me, and I didn't feel it. I wasn't cut up, and the bike had hit me right in the back, right in the spine, and there was nothing. And you could say, oh, it was, you know, it was nothing. Kids are resilient, but... I knew there was something different. My parents said, well, we think an angel was watching over you. Well, you know what? The Bible says that God has angels watching over uh, the children. And so, for whatever reason, in my life, you can try and explain it away all you want. I know that God was watching over me, even in that little moment there. And I know God was watching over me. You know, we read Genesis, God and man, and the stories of uh, what God has done in their lives. And I think when we tell our testimonies, we forget that. that that's what we're telling we don't have to tell it from a third-person point of view. It's, this is what God has done in my life. This is what he has done. And he was there. When I look back, maybe I didn't notice it then, but it's burned in my heart. He was there when my parents divorced. I remember my dad leaving and crying in my mom's arms in the bathroom upstairs, weeping. When is daddy coming back? When is daddy coming back? Just weeping and crying and my mom not having an answer for me and my poor mom. Um, and everything's good with my dad now. We, He's forgiven. I just have to share this part of the story. Um, uh, and he knows it's for good. But uh, I was hurt. I remember my heart broken. I can still look back and uh, be right there in the moment if I think about it. But also as I think about it, I realize that God was there too. God had his arms around us. But uh, I didn't quite know it yet. But as I look back, I, I sense his arms around us there. That as I'm crying on my mom's shoulder and my mom's upset, I sense Jesus' arms around us as I look back. And I think sometimes it takes forgiveness and it takes looking uh, to God for the answers for these things, for him to be able to, to fix our memories and show us what was really happening in the midst of our hurt and pain. And I don't know if you asked me that day that I would have turned from God. I was a little kid. But I can see a trajectory in my life from that point of loving God and following God as a kid, you know, you know how much I actually did or not, uh, to start going another way, to start doing my own thing, 
I was still knew in my head that there was God. I still, if you had asked me along the whole course of uh, my life before Christ, if I knew Jesus, I would have said, yeah, I'm a Christian. But as you'll see, there were things and, that I got involved in that no real Christian would have gotten close to. I can remember doing things uh, in my adolescence uh, as I started to go off on this path and just crying and weeping after them and asking God to forgive me, but still going because I didn't have an anchor. I didn't have someone to raise me in these things, uh, you know, and I didn't have the strength to listen to him. I didn't have that deep relationship with him. You know, I even got baptized when I was 12 because my friend was, but I didn't know what it meant. It didn't have a, a meaning to me other than this is what they're doing at church. But I didn't know what communion was as a kid. I remember taking communion as a child and, and understanding that it was his blood and his body. But you know, after getting saved, um, which we'll get to eventually in the story, God gave me the verse Genesis fifty twenty, as Joseph talking to his brothers. Uh, he says, But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring it about this day to save many people alive. And that really healed me of a lot of things about the divorce and about being able to forgive my father. Uh, not that he did this evil. He, you know, he tried to have a relationship with me, but I just didn't want it. You know, because there was no repentance at the time. There's been plenty of repentance, and he sought my forgiveness since then. And it, it breaks my heart that he still has to think about those things. Um, uh, I love my dad, and he loves me, but I know that, that God allowed these things to happen for what's happened since then. I don't know that I'd be here today if God didn't allow these things to happen. I'm sure God would have orchestrated something else. But all I, can, I can't live in the what-ifs and the metaverses. People try and think that there's these multiple universes. There's not. There's one. And this is the life that was given to me. And I wouldn't be here with God today if uh, these things didn't happen. But unfortunately, it took me a long time to learn. A lot of pain and heartache could have been dealt with if I had just turned to God earlier. And I had all the tools at my disposal, too. I just um, I didn't for whatever reason. Maybe I felt God had left me, too. Maybe I felt that I couldn't trust God. I don't know. But I was wrong. I remember in middle school, having Bible class and trying to quickly memorize a verse before the test and always failing because my short-term memory would fail me by the time I got my name on the paper. Um, but one thing I do remember from that class is not the memory verses, but is Revelation. When we studied Revelation, it really stuck in my mind and really awoke in me. And um, God was moving and trying to get my attention even then. Um, but as soon as Bible class was over, I, I went about my business. But God would use that later on, as we'll see. I remember in high school, um, by the time I was a senior, I was in Latin two for the third year. And uh, there was a freshman in the class. And I think he had a What Would Jesus Do hat or bracelet. I think that was popular at the time. But uh, I used to mock him and make fun of him. Um, and he would just take it. He would just go, hmm. You know, he looked scared, but he wouldn't revile and he wouldn't run away. He would just kind of go to his desk and take it. So I pray God that that kid is blessed even today and hope that he's still serving you. I remember seeing, uh, I don't know if it was in high school or college, but one of my friends from high school, she got a tattoo on her ankle of an ichthus. And I was like, oh, you're a Christian too? Like, it was like so psyched that she got this thing. Um, and I wasn't, I wasn't a Christian. I knew the things of God, but I wasn't following him. You know, in middle school, I'd gone to a youth group a couple of times at a couple different churches, and um, I'd gone to Christian school until eighth grade, and then I went to public school. I remember in high school, in biology class, in biology class, and learning about evolution. And as they were teaching it, and wondering about plant versus animal evolution, I would always raise all these questions, like trying to get to the bottom of it. Because in my heart, I still knew about Genesis, still believe God created everything, but I was trying to reconcile the two and I just couldn't. And so I was trying to get answers that the Bible clearly gives that from my teacher about like, but she couldn't give me a clear answer. She could only give me what the textbook said and it didn't suffice. It didn't make, it didn't logically make sense. And by the time I was in college, I was fully engaged in sinful lifestyles. Uh, I lost my virginity and I didn't lose it. I gave it up in high school. I was involved with drugs and alcohol and partying and um, just not being a good student. You know, I'd been a real good student up until eighth grade. And then by the time high school rolled around, I was, I was an average student, uh, borderline failing. Not because I didn't have the intellect, but because 
I didn't have the drive. I had no desire to do it. By the time I was in college, I was involved in a relationship that was, uh, this is a, I was probably verbally abusive and, and I was controlling and I just, it still grieves me today to think about, you know, the, the hurt I put on this person. Um, and they weren't perfect either. They hurt me in different ways, but still as a, as a man, it's my responsibility. Um, 9-11 happened, you know, I was in college. Um, the girl that I was in a relationship with, her dad died in the Twin Towers. And I remember seeing the smoke coming up um, from the towers and racing to get to where her mom worked to uh, school. Uh, and just the mess after that and just being in shock from that. Um, you know, uh, soon after, I guess, uh, by that next spring, um, we ended up having uh, an abortion. I had dropped out of school. I dropped out of school first and then around the time that this was happening. But you know, even then God was working. I remember um, just being in shock and looking back and uh, if I could do it over, I would, I would do it completely differently. Uh, my life would be totally different today, but I would have done differently. Um, but I remember going into the city and as we're walking into this place, uh, there were people protesting outside and some of the pictures I saw. But I, did, I remember trying to shield her and coming in and trying not to look at it as we went in. But there were things that I saw and, and I don't know that they were shouting at us as much as they were pleading with us to not go in there. Because and sort of a last ditch, like this is, you know, holding up the smoker's lungs, so to speak. Stop smoking, you know, you got to listen. Don't do this. This is what it is. And, and I knew deep down, I knew deep down in my heart what it was. And I believe she did too. But we were just so enslaved to our sin that it was really like we were in, in chains being led off to this place. I remember not feeling in control and just being dra you know, taken into this place. Literally like I've got chains around my wrist and we're being pulled in here. Uh, just kind of numb. I, I, don't, I don't know why other than that that we would choose, us, choose that. And just the feeling of being in that place and just the atmosphere, it was awful. And to see the, the way the world treats these things now and tries to teach it to elementary school kids and has campaigns about shouting your abortion from the rooftop, be proud of it. I sympathize with those who are in the, in the situation and those who even are running the clinics and, you know, maybe think they have good motives. I sympathize with that. I've been there and, and I don't, I don't judge, but it sickens me and it, it breaks my heart that someone can be so hard that they would go through that and then somehow think that it's a noble choice. And I don't say these things be, out of a, a sense of, having to make up for my sin because there were things I did early on in being saved, getting in a relationship and because I thought I needed to be in a relationship and then they had a kid and I thought that maybe this was, you know, deep down I, I didn't realize it, but I was trying to make up for it. Thankfully, God got me out of that real quick after a couple of weeks. But Proverbs 31.8 says, open your mouth for the speechless and the cause of all who are appointed to die. And God gave me that. And I know that that is for speaking up and always knowing to speak the truth for these little ones who can't speak for themselves and are appointed to die. And it will never make up for anything I've done. It will never erase it. It will never make me more righteous for doing it. But how can I not speak? How can I let someone else or want to not say anything to prevent someone else from doing that? You know, we give to... Uh, not much, but we give a little bit to a, a Christian clinic that provides women services to help them through it and give them the opportunity to, to have a way out if they so desire it um, without being preachy. They offer the gospel, but they will really want to support these women. But after this, soon after this, I began to, to go extra crazy. I had already been involved in a lot of drugs and my mind was already going. But this depression from obviously from this awful thing that I did and uh, 
eventually breaking up with this girl. She broke up with me. Good for her. Um, moving to New York and not having any friends. My friends kind of left me up there. They didn't, you know, I wasn't a good enough friend of them for them to want to come up there, and I don't blame them. But she ended up getting me the Left Behind books during this time. Uh, I remember reading them around 9-11, around when this happened, and I uh, just soaked them up as fast as possible. Uh, out on the deck, smoking a cigarette, reading this book all night. I was still getting high. I was reading Revelation while I was high. As God began to remind me of Revelation. He began to show me as I was out, like in Ecclesiastes, talks about everything is vanity. I'm out there drinking with my friends, just sitting on a bar stool, looking around, going, what is the point of all this? It is so empty. Looking around at my life, it is empty. Looking around at my relationships, they're empty. Worse than empty, they're full of garbage. But still taking time to uh, read this and not understand it, trying to chart it out, going crazy, losing my mind, trying to share it with my friends to have them help me make sense of it, driving my friends away and, and my craziness. I ended up traveling to Ireland for a weekend in November of 2003, trying to get away. It was someone who was actually, you know, would listen to me and like me and just being totally rebuked by her. I remember trying to share with her that she's going to go to hell because I've been reading the Bible. She's like, you're doing the same exact things I'm doing. Totally like, punch in the face. I remember standing there looking out the window going, totally convicted. Like, how dare I say she's going to hell and I'm doing the same thing. And that Thursday, after getting back to the States, I was in my, mom, it was in my room at my mom's house in Chester, New York. Uh, she doesn't live there anymore. In the middle of the night, just being sinful and breaking down and crying on the floor. I mean, I had prayed before. I would cried out to God before several times in the years past. But it would be one of those things where I'd cry in the bathtub and then the next day, go back and do my own thing again. I didn't really mean it. I wanted out of the consequence and I didn't want a relationship with God. I didn't want to change. I just wanted to be free of uh, the penalty. But that night, I, I knew God was in the room. God was in the room with me that night. He hadn't given up on me. He had been, Holy Spirit had been ministering to me through the Bible. I remember watching Dr. Stanley in the morning on TV or Billy Graham just weeping and then, you know, being not able to sleep all night and then, or being up playing games or doing whatever I was doing and seeing this stuff at times throughout history. Um, but God was in the room with me that night. He hadn't left me. Even times in college when I was suicidal and was, I remember praying to God on, with my hand under the sink, with a knife in my hand, God, I'm going to slice my wrist if someone doesn't call me right now. Please, I don't want to do this. And you could psychology that to the nth degree, but you know what? God had someone call me within a minute of that. And I remember saying, like, they were like, are you okay? Are you okay? Like, I don't know why, but I just felt like I needed to call you. And they weren't a believer. Other times, too. There are other times when just like that little bike hit me on the back and I didn't get hurt. There are other times I tried and I didn't get hurt. God intervened. Stories for another time. But that night in November 2003, on my floor, weeping, praying, crying out to God. Don't even remember what I was saying necessarily. But it was like, as I was on the floor, I could sense Jesus standing over me and kneeling next to me. I remember just feeling him wash over me. It was like there was a light in the room that I couldn't see, but I could sense that there was light in the room. And I remember falling asleep, praying and crying on the floor. And when I woke up the next day, I knew it was different. I did not... I was alone, but I did not feel alone in the same way anymore. I still had hurts. I still was totally strange. You probably still think I'm strange, but it was different. I always compared it to the, if you remember chocolate Easter bunnies, where there's some that are hollow and some that are solid. I used to always feel like the hollow one. I look good on the outside, but if you poke me or bit into me, you'd see that I was hollow and empty and fragile. But I felt solid for the first time in my life. I wasn't strong, I wasn't, didn't have anything together, but God was in my life. The Holy Spirit lived within me. He was no longer on the outside trying to get my attention, he was on the inside helping me. He had never left me, and he hasn't since, and he never will. My Aunt Mary Jane and Uncle John have been believers for a long time, and they had been praying for us. My mom had walked away, 
Um, obviously, my dad wasn't walking with the Lord at the time, but they had been praying for us. I know that this was an answer to their long prayers. And how many years they were praying for us? I don't know how short or how long their prayers were, but God answered them. I remember looking back and seeing them a few times. I've been able to see them because they live far away and just always seeing something different about them and, and looking back and going, oh yeah, that was God. That was God. I was too afraid to go to church on Sunday. Uh, and Mary Jennifer John had ta- told me about a church in the area that was related to their church. And I thought it was another one that I was kind of like not interested in going. I was a little burned from church uh, just because I had visited one that I was seeking that some people that I knew from growing up went to and they were nice but I needed help and no one reached out to help me while I was there. No one asked me how I was doing and it was just kind of like, oh hey, good to see you, you know, you know, no like trying to find out and I can't really blame them but you know, I just, I needed the love of God and and I just hadn't received it yet. Would I have accepted the Lord then if someone had asked me? I don't know, maybe. I I can't answer that. But thankfully, God doesn't give up on me, and God didn't leave me. But, you know, you don't need anyone else. If someone else has left you down, well, God won't. God won't. And he didn't. So I ended up going to church the next Wednesday. And, you know, I remember going to the door and just really sensing the enemy tell me, all condemning me of how, how bad I am. And he was right. But I was forgiven. And just fighting it and just praying and God gave me the strength to open the door. When I opened the door, it was November, but it was like this fresh spring breeze came out. And they didn't have the air fresheners going or anything. It was just a little office space above a dentist office. I remember just there was just the sense of God's spirit there. And uh, I went up the stairs, and there was uh, a couple there, a really sweet couple. And I remember them hugging me really hard, like lifting me up, like, oh, welcome. So glad you're here. And I remember being squeezed, like have my arms down, like, <laughs> and just going, this is so weird, but I kind of like it. <laughs> you know, just sensing the love of God, sitting there in the worship and not singing, not knowing the words and just like crying in, in, next to the wall in the folding chair in the tiny church office and just God's spirit washing over me and cleansing me, just sitting there, taking in the teaching, like it was, it was probably all right teaching, but taking it in like it was the exact word of God, just washing over my mind. And brainwashing me because I needed it. My brain needed to be washed. Getting plugged in with, there was young guys in the church. And getting to know them, being invited over to their house for Bible study. I remember going over one night driving from my job in New Jersey um, to their house on a Wednesday night in a snowstorm. Because, and they were like, oh, you came. What do you think you were going to come with the weather? I'm like, oh, it was like inches of snow. I've got my little two-wheel drive car. And I still went because I wanted to be there. I was smoking a cigarette on the way, and I put cologne on before I went in to try and cover it up. But I started getting plugged in. I started going to youth group and helping out there. I started uh, helping out with the computer stuff and the website. I remember making the website and having a whole other story. But just, man, just willing and wanting to do anything because I saw these people as people who love God. And I wanted to serve God with them. But as this happened, as I began to follow God more and read my Bible and have God really teach it to me as opposed to just reading and not understanding it and um, going crazy. Um, but losing my friends slowly. I still hung out with them. But when they would drink, I didn't drink. I wouldn't say, why are you drinking? But we'd be hanging out at their house. They'd all be kicking back beers and I wouldn't. Just didn't have the desire anymore. Um, there was a relationship that could have happened with someone I always wanted to have a relationship with. And I remember sharing with her, like, well, like, you're my friend, and I love you as your friend, but I'm with Jesus now. And I don't know if she'd even remember the story, but I remember having this conversation on the phone with this person and hanging out with them and trying to reach out to them because I knew they were hurting, but it just, my desires were different. I knew, like, I just, I just want to be with Jesus, and I'm going to be in a relationship with someone, even at that young age. I guess I've been reading Corinthians for a reason, but I knew that I needed to be with a Christian I remember quitting smoking, trying to quit, and I had the patch for a week. I remember driving home from work, and God just telling me, you don't need that. I remember being in a left lane in Mawa, New Jersey, on the 17 North, headed towards the thruway, and just God saying, you don't need it anymore. So I went, just like, go throw out your cigarettes. So I went home, and I got in the garage, and I remember uh, crushing them and throwing them out and not using the patch, and that was it. Not swearing anymore. 
not talking like I used to talk. And it was not something I necessarily thought of doing. It just, God took these things away from me. Not wanting to get high anymore. And there's another story with that that I'll share, I'll share another time. I moved out of my mom's house in April 2004. I, I couldn't wait to get out. And this time, now that I have an opportunity to get out, I remember talking to my mom the night before. Like, mom, like my mom was upset. Hey, mom, if you need me here, like, I'll stay. Meanwhile, I, I was only there because I had to be there before. I hated being there. Now I was paying them some rent and being responsible. I had shared the gospel with my uh, stepdad, prayed with him when we had a rough relationship before that. But I moved out. I moved in with some of those guys from church. I got friends, new friends. God provided me with new friends. And, and I still miss the old friends from time to time, and I pray that they're doing well. But it was just a different season. I moved on. I had to move on. Got involved in a summer outreach that summer doing uh, with the hip-hop dance troupe that came in and did outreach in Newburgh, and that was awesome. Um, I remember walking through the city. I should have been scared in certain neighborhoods, and it was only the grace of God protecting me in certain places because there, there was a lot of gang activity. Bloods and Crips were there. Um, I remember someone talking to me. I guess they probably saw my glasses. I'm like, are you in school? I said, no. I'm like, well, you, you should be in school. I remember like actually considering it praying about it, but God led me not to go back to college because God was telling, God was teaching me what to do with my life now. I dropped out. I've got an intellect. I could have used it. I could have gotten a degree, but God had something else for me. He had planned for me not to go back to school, but to go into ministry. The school of Moses, as it's been said. That summer, um, I don't know how it came up, but I ended up being, having an opportunity to apologize to my ex. I remember crying and just asking her to forgive me. I wasn't trying to get her back. I think maybe, I don't know if it's true, but maybe she wanted to see if there was anything there again. I don't know. But I, it was a, probably a situation. I shouldn't have been there. It should have done it somewhere else. But I remember crying to her, just asking her to forgive me. And talking and then leaving. And I just, I felt free, you know? Like, I knew it wasn't going to work, and I just felt free that finally I could ask this person for forgiveness for all the awful things I did. And I think, I don't know, I guess it was like 10 years later, she emailed me and said that I forgive you and all these things. And I never heard back, and that's probably for the best for both of us. But um, I, it still grieves me to think that she could be dealing without the Lord with all these things that I did that could have scarred her. And obviously the stuff, the abortion and the stuff that she goes with. And I pray that she does get saved and that she does get to go to heaven and, and meet that little one. But it pressed forward. Eventually, I became a deacon. I remember a friend telling me my fuse was much longer now than it used to be when I first got saved. And, you know, him just really encouraging me that there was growth in my life. Um, but also, I began to see my parents who uh, maybe were walking with the Lord again. God was starting to do things in them. But they were fearing that I was in a cult because I was so involved. I'm like, What? You know, you guys are Christians. You should understand this, that I love Jesus and I'm not going to drink anymore and I'm going to serve him and I'm going to do everything I can for him. How can I not? And I'm just not understanding. I even had to separate from my parents for a while. But God restored that. I remember teaching a youth group a few times and it was probably, maybe it was even better than this and this is a bomb, I don't know, but I remember teaching at church a few times on a Wednesday night here and there. But I just wanted to serve so bad, so bad. And I ended up quitting my job in 2009. Um, and they ended up letting me stay on and, and work from home uh, just hourly, however many hours I wanted, whether it was one hour or 10 hours. Um, maybe I quit too early. Uh, but I remember working at the church as a youth pastor's assistant. Uh, we worked on mission trips. We went to a mission trip together. I remember sitting on a, a Home Depot five-gallon bucket with a little laptop trying to book flights to the Bahamas for our mission trip. Um, and it was fantastic, but I knew that I just didn't have a piece about it, about not working in the world and working there. Uh, and so I felt led and I quit a couple months later. You know, I, I talked to the pastor about it when I first felt it, but then it was, he said, why don't you give it some time? And so I gave it three months and nothing changed. And God was calling me out of there. God didn't want me to work there. And eventually other people stopped working there. I guess the church uh, just couldn't afford it anymore in one way. We had just moved. Um, but for some reason, God didn't want me to work there. But I kept living with my friends, different friends in different houses, different seasons. Old, uh, different friends came and go, and you know, some for good reasons and some for sad reasons. Uh, I remember being shoehorned into a couple ministries that I didn't really fit into over the course of the year, like 
Uh, I remember doing children ministry at one point. Uh, I'm a, I think in my mind, I thought I had to climb this ladder to be a pastor. Uh, you have to do this, 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 this. That's the only way you're ever going to be a pastor. Um, and I would do children ministry now. I'd have a different heart for it now. But then it was like, it was just, I couldn't handle it. My, we had these triplets that were, <laughs> and we, we didn't have a room. We had plastic tables and they would, you know, to like guard us off in a cafeteria. And there's other ministries that, you know, they thought like they wanted a college ministry. So they thought that I should do it because I was in with the college kids and that didn't really work because God had different plans. And I was willing to do it and I was willing to do it all the time. Uh, but God had different plans for that. You know, it seems that everyone has an idea and a plan for your life and all with the best intentions. So my mom had to review care of her trying to get every new girl in church to, for me to talk to. I'm like, mom, this doesn't work this way. You know, this is, you're going to scare people off. You're going to turn them off. Uh, you know, uh, even good intentions like, oh, you should come work at the church or you should serve here. People trying to set me up and it's like a praying about it. God's going, no way. <laughs> I'm like, thank you, Lord. Uh, you know, just things along the way. I remember being able to baptize people as a deacon and that was like the greatest joy of mine. I'd be able to pray with someone, pray with my friend who's serving with me and pray for this person and dunk them and lift them up and just see the work of God in their life and just the joy in that. And I look forward to being able to baptize uh, people again. I'll, you know, I might have to start baptizing my wife. I want to <laughs> baptize again. Uh, but I remember God around this time speaking to me uh, in John about feeding his sheep. Feeding his sheep. I remember talking to a friend at a coffee shop, uh, Noble Coffee Roasters, about it. Just uh, talking to each other about the direction of our lives and what God is doing. I remember meeting uh, my wife Ashley's mom and you know, to baptize her and just seeing the work that God had done in her life when she got saved. Uh, meeting Ashley and um, not... You know, she was a new girl, not having any interest in her in the beginning. She was new. I, I didn't want... She was, you know, you were nice, you know, but I didn't want you to feel uncomfortable or like, you know, hey, you're the new girl and this leader is talking to you all the time. It was kind of weird. I remember trying to avoid you and God kept sticking us next to each other, like trying to not sit by you. And then all of a sudden we had to sit by each other just by the way people walked in and uh, not trying to, you know... All, just all these things, just trying to be wise and careful, and then ended up being in a car ride home together with our friend in the back seat and you in the front. And she fell asleep, and we ended up sharing our testimonies. And I just something clicked that night that I had never felt before. And it was God beginning to work and praying about you before we dated, and just go, God, is this the one? Because I didn't want to date someone. I just wanted. To, I couldn't deal with that heartbreak again. And maybe that's just selfish, but I also knew it was it was pointless. It was vanity to do so if they're not the one. And James 1.17 says, Every good and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. That I knew that God had given you to me. But he also said to wait. But I said, God, I don't want to wait. And so I rushed ahead in things. And that led to struggles and heartache and uh, a relationship that wasn't, uh, wasn't going good and wasn't going well. And I was back to my old ways um, of going crazy in a relationship and doing things that... Uh, they were hurtful. I ended up having to uh, be taken out of being a deacon for a while and not serving at church for a while. All the while, the pastor's caring for me and keeping me close. Um, but that was hard. Uh, I don't want to say that's the hardest season of my life, but from being a believer, that was the hardest season of my life. But I remember crying on the floor again, being, you know, I think, I, I don't know if I lost my job at the time, uh, but I was in my mom's room on the floor again, like I was in November 2003, and just crying, broken, couldn't believe I was back in a, in a, in a bad situation. I remember God just telling me, like he was kneeling there with me again, holding me going, I'll never leave you or forsake you. I lost, you know, people began to, some people began to treat me different and you begin to find out who your friends are. But God got me back on track. He never left me. If he had left me, there's no way I'd be doing anything today. I remember being restored, being a deacon again, getting married in April of 2012, right? <laughs> remember you got pregnant that summer with Mia. You found out living in that little apartment, basement apartment. I was ordained. Well, actually, we got, pre we got married in April. I was ordained in January the following year. And yeah, that's right. And Mia was born uh, February of that year. So God was able to restore all those things. 
restore my relationship with you, restore my relationship uh, with serving and uh, giving me a, a daughter, my firstborn. And again, just thinking back to what had happened so many years earlier, what I had done, the fact that God would bless me with a child now. It was just unbelievable. Unbelievable and amazing. Serving in youth group, uh, faithfully over the years, uh, serving youth group when the youth pastor left to go plant a church. Um, assisting a new youth pastor, one of my good friends for a while. Uh, and then we were called out of youth ministry. We just said, hey, you know, God's got a good pastor in place here. The youth group is doing well. We can step out now. You know, it's, we've got our own family to worry about. Uh, teaching at church more. And as we began to follow the Lord over the next year or two, uh, God began to call us to Maryland with a verse in Mark about going to Bethesda. And right away, I knew it was Maryland. So we began to prepare there. Uh, a couple of pastors had left the church. There was a new pastor in there. Um, we were serving in youth. You know, the other youth pastor had left, so we began to pick up the youth group. But we knew that God was calling us to Maryland. So we ended up leaving in February uh, 2015. Yeah, Jake was born in September 2014. And we left February 2015 to go to Maryland and I quit my job and for two or three months I was traveling back and forth to uh, get a job and a place to live down there. Uh, my wife was staying with, my with her family and that was a real blessing to have them there but in the other sense it was like oh man Lord please get us through this I don't want to I don't want to I want to be the one to provide for them but God's always cared for us I know he'll always provide for them but during that time the church fell apart in New York the pastor left up there uh, just a, a big fiasco. And so one of the other pastors who had moved to Indiana, fly back every once in a while. The old senior pastor came back uh, once in a while. And I was, I was back up for that first month in April before I started my job in May. Um, and I was on the board and we were just praying about what to do for the next steps. Uh, my heart was broken from New York. You know, I prayed about moving back and I offered up my, uh, offered it up that, you know, that the Lord was, uh, calling us and that we'd be willing to pastor there uh, but for whatever reason they went with someone else um, which is, which was fine I you know it didn't make sense to me how God could put that on our hearts and, and call us back there with a, a verse in Peter about shepherd the flock of God that's among you um, and be a, an overseer thereof um, and so when that happened I you know I basically quit the board and gave recommendations and there was a, a, a hurtful season a tough season but I was glad that there was a new pastor there to take over them. I, you know, I think that the pastor who took over that church is, a, is a, a great man from what I know and that he seems to care for the people and love the Lord. And he was always very friendly to uh, my wife and I over the season. And, uh, but we just wanted to see things different there. We wanted to make sure the church was in good hands because it had been hurt. And as we were in Maryland, we just couldn't shake it. We were there to plant a church and... Um, I have a recording of a testimony I gave there, but I was so tired after moving back, traveling back and forth two times in two days and moving and no help. And, and you know, I don't think I'd make anyone listen to that. Um, but we were there and, and, and there was a few people involved. We had a little church in our apartment um, and I was looking for a place to rent and people wanted me to rent a place, but we were the only people giving, so I don't know how it works. Uh, but so I looked and every time I looked, we just, God just wasn't opening the doors for it. And God just kept saying, just keep doing what you're doing. And we prayed, Lord, if you want us to go back to New York or go somewhere else, please just, you know, close this thing up. And, and we added a move to a town over when the rent went up at the end of our lease. Um, and people stopped coming. And I didn't realize it was going to be that far. You know, that, you know, it's like two miles. But in Maryland terms, that's like 45 minutes of traffic. So, but God was moving. And so we prayed about going back to New York and, uh, and what to do. We had a, a season when uh, we weren't meeting anymore. We started visiting a friend's church in, in Maryland, and he offered for us to come there. And we had a friend in Indiana who said he should come out here too. So we had opportunities to go other places, but as we prayed, God gave us a verse about fleeing to the valley of the mountains, that even in this hard wilderness season of Maryland, we knew going into it, it was going to be wilderness, but we had no idea what kind of spiritual wilderness it was going to be. Um, and so we thought, okay, I knew in my heart that that was Montana. Um, Montana was somewhere, I remember walking in New York City with a friend, uh, getting high, and talking about going to Montana or being a missionary and all these things. Like, 
I didn't know the Lord at the time, just insanity. I mean, right before I got saved, I thought I had to hike down the Appalachian Trail and go see Dr. Stanley and just do all these complicated things. And I thought I had, to, you know, I just had, Montana was just on my heart. And after getting saved, the desire just it went away. And I guess God had kind of buried the Montana part because that was part of his plan all along. Um, and so I knew that this was going to Montana, but there were no open doors here. And so he thought, well, maybe it's the Hudson Valley and not uh, the Bitterroot Valley. And so uh, we were facing a real hard living situation and we had the baby and it was just time to get out. So for the betterment of my family, we left and went to New York. And the pastor of the church we had come out of was very friendly, very inviting, invited us to come be a part of the church and, and uh, just see what the Lord might do there. And so we did. But every time we were there, just sense like, God, this wasn't what God had for us. It was like, we'd want to step out and serve and we had the opportunity to, but just as soon as we do, it felt like God wasn't, God wasn't in it. God was saying, no, 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 I'm back here. I'm back here. And so we were there and we prayed about for a season, but then we realized it just, it just wasn't for us. You know, that we would do things completely differently. And maybe there were sinful things and maybe there weren't, but for whatever reason, we just, it just wasn't, we didn't sense the Spirit of God leading us there. And we still have friends there. So we, we weren't there. We visited a couple other churches that friends had, and they were welcoming to an extent, but I could still see some walls were up, and uh, I don't know what to think, but uh, we just, we tried going to different churches for a while as we were praying about other things to do, and I was at a pastor's conference, and I just sensed that God was leading us to do a, a Bible study at home. And even asking a friend to, who works at a coffee shop if we could use it. But I didn't do that right away. So I didn't want to force those things to happen. But we got back. We began to have uh, a night study or a week study. And, uh, you know, whatever I did, I wanted to bless the church in the area. I didn't want to be seen as a competition or anything like that. Or like I was stealing anybody. Because I, didn't, I, didn't, I just wanted to have a Bible study. I knew God. That's what God wanted us to do. I didn't know what God wanted to do with it. And uh, we'll be closing here in a minute. But... God began to move in that, and people began to, came, to come. And it was just a few people, a few friends and family, but it was a really sweet season. And we ended up moving into that coffee shop, and they let us use it for free. And I didn't want to meet on a Sunday morning, but that's when everyone else wanted to meet because their church couldn't meet on a Sunday morning. Um, and so God was good with that, and God began to move in that same friend that we had been talking and doing things in their life, and we got to see God begin to move in them and, and carry them through a, a tough season. But we knew New York wasn't forever. So as we continued to pray about Montana and what to do, um, God began to open up the doors to come out here. Uh, and a few years earlier, he had spoken to us about new wine. And we didn't know what it meant. We knew that God was calling us out. And we knew he was calling us out of our church when we were going to Maryland. But we didn't realize he was calling us out of that denomination as a whole. That whether there's something wrong, you know, I know a lot of behind the scenes things from different sides and different angles, and there's wrong and there's right. And God is still using it, and God is still using those men and those churches. But for whatever reason, God was calling us out of that denomination to be involved in a new work. And I don't know what that is. I don't know if, if, if God is going to do something more than just this room here with us and, and hopefully some others. But I know that God wanted us to, to go somewhere else and do something else, and it was scary. We were excited about Montana, but we didn't know what God would have. And when I came out here and visited, God gave us Romans 10, and God spoke to me about, you know, is the city more important than the mountains? Then no, we, we tend to think that large groups of people are more important than small groups of people, and it's not true. God leaves the 99 to find the one. And I pray that God would find the one out here that he's trying to reach. So when we came out here, we didn't we we really felt that we'd be starting a church, but we weren't sure. There's there's a couple of good churches out here, and so we tried visiting there, and uh, we're welcomed at both of them. Welcomed at one, and, and one who knew as a pastor, the other one we just kind of went in there spying out the land and not letting people know uh, the extent of who we were, or where we were from, or why we really moved to Montana because uh, we didn't want to cause division. But as we were there, we just knew that God was calling us out that we weren't to be involved in the denomination that we came from. And I would, in that capacity, I would love to still do things with them. I would love to be hand in hand and side by side with everyone who truly follows the Lord here in the valley. But God has something else for us. It's not, God's not contained to a box. 
and it was hard. We didn't, you know, it was very hard. So we took the summer off and we prayed for months and we're really kind of distraught. Like, Lord, we don't want to be doing anything that you don't want us to do. And just really saw clarity and, and, and God gave it to us and God led us to plant this church, Resurrection Life Church. And it's just our family right now. But the more I pray about it, the more I go, God, do you really want us to do this? Well, I'm going to do it at least for the term of the lease. And even if you told me to stop doing it, I would still pay out the rest of the lease and just go visit another church somewhere or go be a part of another church somewhere. But the more we pray about it, the more we know that God wants to do something here and we need to keep doing this for this season. And I'd love to be here for the rest of my life. I'd love to be here and raise my kids. And we think that God would have us be here, you know, as much as you can plan ahead. We feel like God is going to keep us here. But you know what? This whole thing... This whole direction, the whole change in goals in my life from wanting to live in a city or in a busy environment to really desiring the Montana lifestyle, the quieter life, the simpler life, the more friendly people, and really, really praying and hoping that God would plant this and that this is a church that I could pastor until I die and pass it off to someone else that the Lord doesn't return and be a small town church pastor because I just want to serve the Lord. I don't I would love a lot of people. I would love this place to overflow with people. But if it never does and I'm being faithful to the Lord, then then I want it to be that way. Because ministry is not a job. Ministry is really following Jesus and doing what he's doing, and we know that this is what he's doing. And this is a part of my testimony that I'm here not because I want to be a pastor. There's plenty of times I haven't wanted to be. Even recently, like Lord, like if I could do something else, I would just go live on a ranch somewhere quietly and work with my hands and not be involved. But I can't escape it because I can't escape the cross. I can't escape the God who's been in my life since before I was born, since before the foundations of the earth, from the time I was a kid to the time I was a young adult to the time I was a man and getting married and having kids until now. I can't escape his presence. As the psalm says, if I ascend into heaven or I descend into hell, where can I go from your spirit? Oh Lord, and I can't. And the same thing goes for you. Whether you know Him or not, you can't escape Him. One day, if you don't choose Him, and you choose your sin and death, because truthfully, that's what you're choosing when you choose sin, is your own death. If you want your own death, you can have it. But know that God has life for you. And that if you, that God has plan for you and purpose and that the vanity of life even if you're not living an outwardly quote-unquote or no one would say it's sinful in this day and age because no one says anything sinful anymore but that you would see that that god has a purpose for you and a depth and a life and a real life for you that it's bigger than this life i just uh, ecclesiastes talks about you work hard all your life and then you work hard to be smart and wise and, and make money and be successful and then it gets passed on to someone who wasn't or even worse, the government takes it. And we know, that, we know how that goes. But sincerely, don't choose death. God is pursuing you and speaking to you. He wants you to be His. If you want that, simply ask Him. Say, Lord Jesus, I don't know much, but I've heard that You love me. And I've heard that You died for me. And that you rose again. And I want to believe that. Because it's true. And it gives me hope. Because it's the only thing that is hope. So please forgive me. Come into my life. Help me follow you. And love you. Because you first loved me. And if you're a Christian, I say you would seek him and pray. And follow him. And know that everything he's allowed in your life, good and bad, is for good. Job lost everything. His family, his children, his property. God allowed it because Satan wanted to attack him. But God wanted to show that not only did Job love God, but God loved Job. And God gave it to him twice over. And the things you've lost, God can restore. The years that the locusts have eaten, God will restore if you let him. But you have to let him. You can't just cry out and want out of the pain. You have to cry out and truly want out of the pain. And want to be forgiven. Not be perfect. Not be righteous. Self-righteous. But to take on his righteousness. To be given his strength. To be given his mind and his spirit and heart. 
that you can be the best you that he's always designed you to be. You don't need to be a cookie-cutter Christian. Just get to be his child. So God, I pray for these people that they would follow you and serve you. And most of all, know that you love them and have that relationship with you and not be forced to do anything outside of that relationship with you. That although that relationship with you might lead them to do things that they feel they have no choice to do, but they are, they are always good things. Because sin binds us and drags us to places that we never want to go that are bad for us. It's death and hell. But God, when you free us to be your servant, and your slave, God. We're more than that. We're your children. We get to go places we never could have gotten on our own. You fulfill the dreams we've had from the beginning that you've given us. And you give us more than we get to ask or seek or think. And, and most importantly, we get to know you and live with you forever and, and know that there's a day coming when we won't need to cry anymore. We won't need to be in pain anymore. But we'll be rejoicing with our Maker and Savior forever. So we love you, God. And we ask all these things by your Spirit. Bless this valley. Bless our friends and family across the country and the world. God, we pray. Thank you, Lord, for all you've done. Thank you, Lord, uh, for never giving up on me, for taking me from a place where I was crazy and trying to tell people things, but no one would listen to. God, now I know if, Lord, you're using me and you've put me in this place to tell people things, but if they don't listen, it's maybe it's because I'm crazy, but, Lord, it's at least I'm sharing what you would have me share. At least I'm doing it for you and uh, not for me, Lord. And yet somehow it is for me because you blessed me through it. Thank you for that. God, be glorified, we pray. May your name be lifted up and come soon that we might escape uh, death for good. In Jesus' name, amen.